Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, joined as always on Sunday evenings by Matt Harmon, who will Help me recap the five biggest NFL games from Sunday afternoon. But before we do that, you know the drill has a little, here's a little pre-show business. I have a question for you, dear listeners. Um, if you haven't signed up for Yahoo Fantasy Plus yet, what are you waiting for? Right now, you can sign up and get access to the Trade Hub. It's pretty cool. The Research Assistant, also very helpful. And best of all, Andy Barron's Fire Weekly Newsletter, all for free. We all love that for seven days. There's no reason not to try it right now. You can do that at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. All right, Matt, I wish I could be as effusive about the Chargers as I just was about Yahoo Fantasy Plus, but this game, the Baltimore Ravens Chargers match in which both teams entered four and one uh, was not was not Los Angeles's other team's best showing. No, no, it was not. And it's a confusing box score to look at because I mm. feel like if I had told you um, going into this game that the Ravens were going to basically blow out the Chargers 34 to 6, you would have assumed that, you know, Lamar Jackson had a huge fantasy day. Uh, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews really did work. That's not not really the case. Uh, it was kind of their old crusty crew of veteran running backs that got the job done, which is funny because we knew going into this that the biggest weak point um, for the Chargers defense was their run stop unit. It's been a consistent issue throughout this entire um, season so far. And Lamar had his day on the ground, right? Eight carries, 51 yards, didn't hit the over on his uh, rushing prop, but <laughs> nevertheless, like still was um, a successful guy on the ground for them. And, but you know, Latavius Murray punches in a touchdown. Um, Le'Veon Bell punches in a touchdown. Devonta Freeman carries the ball nine times, 53 yards, also scores a touchdown. Um, This crew of like throwback running backs was really, um, they were the biggest fantasy performers of the day, at least. And and the Ravens could absolutely kind of sit back and just run on this Chargers defense, which I didn't expect to be their strategy. But hey, they can still do that. Well, I think we expected that Justin Herbert would be able to answer through the air. And so we know, as you, I mean, frankly, if you were watching this game on the Red Zone channel and you took a shot every time Andrew Siciliano mentioned that the Chargers were the worst run defense in football, <laughs> you'd be unconscious by now. So we, we got Wouldn't the Wouldn't be here to record um, the podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Um, we imagined, right, that through the air, Justin Herbert, after being fire... Um, Jimmy Johnson talking ahead of last week that he would, you know, draft him if the draft were today ahead of Patrick Mahomes, which you and I discussed, uh, mm-hmm. would be able to answer, especially with all the, especially with all those big aerial weapons. And that was, uh, it was not the case. He came back down to earth. He completed 22 of 39 for just under 200 yards, a touchdown, an interception, two sacks. He looked off, frankly, uh, just mm-hmm. not altogether. Maybe it was travel. He'd been at home for a minute uh, at SoFi, traveling all the way East Coast on, on that East Coast body clock game. He's still a young Mm -hmm. player. Maybe that affected him. Maybe it was just all of these emotional wins, these tight wins that they've pulled off. And eventually the serotonin and the adrenaline bottoms out a little bit and you get what you get. And it's not the worst thing. Obviously the Chargers are going to run into a bye. We do have to mention that Mike Williams, who entered the game with a knee issue, did get banged up a bit. He came back out there, but clearly wasn't healthy. Um, And when you're facing the Ravens, like, let's be honest, you're going to Target your tight end because the Ravens do struggle to cover the middle of the field. It was Jared Cook and not Donald Parham who found the end zone. He was 
uh, tied with Austin Eckler for a team high seven targets. Otherwise, you know, I, I have faith that Brandon Staley is going to be able to figure this out on the bye. I'm not worried about Keenan Allen, who only who was really efficient, converting all of his looks yeah. for only 50 yards. I'm not worried about Austin Eckler. I'm, I'm not worried about Justin Herbert. Um, I do think one of the developments, the positive wrinkles, if you will, on the Baltimore side of things was the debut of Rashad Bateman, the first round rookie out of Minnesota, who was comped ironically enough, and this is obviously a ceiling comp for him, to Keenan Allen, who he faced in this match throughout the draft process. Yeah, on Keenan Allen, too, it's just really disappointing that he only came with five catches for 50 yards. Just, you know, if, if Justin Herbert has a better game, he probably obviously has a better stat line himself. There's a real piece of intuitive analysis there uh, by your boy. But, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it was like you mentioned, the middle of the field coverage for the Ravens has been a problem. But the defense showed up today for Baltimore. And, you know, that's going to happen sometimes when you're uh, a veteran unit that still has some good players and everything like that. But you're right. Rashad Bateman, definitely um, a, a pretty good debut. He had one pass where, uh, you know, you kind of had a bit of um, – a bit of a whiff that ended up with Lamar's interception. That's fine, though. It is his first game. You know, that that is what it is. From a playing time perspective, too, he was out there a, a pretty decent yeah. amount. Of, yeah, so, I mean, like, he was – I think this was about as good of a debut as you were expecting. Like, I don't think anybody was out there, you know, throwing uh, Rashad Bateman into their fantasy lineups. That would be aggressive. But he did play 44 snaps, 65% overall of the team. Um, and like you said, the targets were there. So um, this is a good development for Bateman and a good development for the Ravens offense as a whole. I, I'm still very, very bullish on this passing game going forward. Game flow also allowed, as we mentioned, for him not to necessarily have to produce more than 4 of 29. But you mentioned the playing time, which is a great – um, asterisk to add, he was also the target leader tied with Mark Andrews. I think, if anything, it was interesting to see Marquise Brown take a, I don't want to call it a backseat. I mean, they both had four catches. We know yeah. what Marquise Brown can do. But we also know that the Chargers focus on eliminating those big play mm -hmm. producers. That would be Brown in this offense. So nobody freak out and assume that because Bateman is in, now you're going to see uh, Brown's target total be cut significantly here and there. Based on the matchup, sure, there's another mouth to feed, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about it. He already had kind of a volatile target total to begin with. Like, he was winning on efficiency mostly through the first three weeks of the season, or first three or four weeks of the season. But um, they get the Bengals next week, then the Vikings, Dolphins, Bears. So um, not like a clean, clean schedule there. Uh, the Bengals defense is playing really well. I mean, we're not going to talk about that game at all, but they, they are playing – the Bengals defense is playing really well. They really had their way with the Lions today. So not the cleanest schedule, uh, but not the worst in the world either. The Minnesota Vikings went into overtime again, which is part of the reason that Fire Zimmer was trending uh, on Twitter. They did best the Carolina Panthers, who looked really I'm Sam Darnold. What how he thrown like what five picks in his yeah. last two games without Christian McCaffrey? McCaffrey obviously now on IR. Um, Darnold pulled it together eventually. From that side of things, what I thought was you know the biggest like. <laughs> I don't want to say it's headline narrative, just kind of one of the biggest moments you can't escape is the fact that man was Darnold trying to get on schedule with Robbie Anderson time yeah. and time again, 11 targets, like really wanting to get him involved. It's like they've been hearing us, especially obviously with CMC not available, there's going to be more up for grabs. And Robbie Anderson logs the same number of drops as he does receptions of those 11 Oof. targets. I mentioned only three for 11. And then in the the final last two minutes, last minute and a half of the game, he finds the end zone, right. which I guess is redemption. But I, you're obviously concerned. I would say that Anderson, as much as Darnold struggled, Anderson seemed to have the yips, the ball bouncing off of his fingertips quite a few times. Um, but I appreciate that Darnold wouldn't quit on it. Right. Uh, I think. Uh, Nick Shook from NFL Media said they had seven drops as a team, did the Panthers, because DJ Moore had a couple. Uh, Chuba true. Hubbard had a couple. Uh, man, Chuba Hubbard is like not – not a very good pass catcher. <laughs> not, not That was the knock against him <laughs> yeah. in college. Like, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, exactly. So he has three targets and only one catch for four yards. The rushing stats were there for Chuba Hubbard, but not he had a long run of nine yards too. So it's like purely an opportunity based thing. And they're they're not going to turn him into like last year's Mike Davis or anything like that. A anyways, on Sam Darnold, yeah, obviously victimized by those drops. And I feel like for Robbie Anderson, it was like 
I, I'm going to just go speculation narrative street on this go for one. It. Because, yeah, right. What else are we doing here? Uh, it's a like, made up game. It's, it is a made up game. That is true. Uh, is any, not the, none of this is real. None of it is real. But uh, Robbie Anderson, you know, has been like sort of the squeaky wheel the last few weeks, right? Like he's been yeah. kind of saying he wants more work, wants more work. And then like it's when you get out there and you drop one. And then it's in your head, and then you drop. It. You see this all the time with receivers, right? That's what I feel like happened to him today. Was like it just all the pr- like there's he's putting pressure on himself to produce more, and like because it's it's like if you it's like Liz, if you or I were to like throw ourselves out there and be like, I want this show and this, and which none of us would never even do because we're not divas. But you know, like go out there. You know how some people are; they demand to be put on certain projects or demand to be put, and then you go out there and you screw it up. Like in the open <laughs> of the show, you call me, I don't know, uh, Philip Hartman or something. You know, it's like, well, oh, that's that'd be really, awesome. Yeah, I'll save well, that for well, next week's FFL. That would be great. Or like, you know, if you're me or something, like if I had gone out and be like, I need to be on FFL this many times, and yeah, this many segments, and then I go out there and say something like, oh, Mike Davis will have 50 carries. <laughs> you know, some stupid thing like that. Who would ever do anything like that? So <laughs> it's well, one but of those. Wait, before, before you sell yourself short by way of Robbie Anderson, I do think it's fair that Robbie Anderson like had, rep- I mean, that was every narrative, not just from like fantasy, but from regular broadcast media talking about yeah. the report oh, yeah. they had in New York and how Robbie Anderson wasn't, he wasn't flubbing routes. He wasn't, there weren't miscommunications. Like he just wasn't getting involved wasn't getting and yeah. the was team weird. was struggling. So I don't blame him for saying Vame, but also you know, abundance grows where energy flows. And if yeah. you're focused on the drops, you're going to get more of them. Um, yeah. If you're, if you're going to ask for more, you got to give more, right? Yep. I yeah. guess. So um, it was a tough, tough break for Robbie Anderson, but also just on the Sam Darnold thing too. I mean, like the first three weeks when there was the whole, like, Oh, Sam Darnold was reborn in Carolina and like all this, that is really crashed back to earth. Like drops aside, this was a bad game for Darnold. It's really been a bad three games for Darnold because, yeah. and listen, obviously the immediate thought is, well, what's been the trend over the last three games? What's missing? The offen- right. Christian McCaffrey is missing <laughs> and the offensive line, which is already, was already a makeshift unit that I think they kind of weirdly approached by just getting a bunch of like, veteran backup guys and immediately kind of giving them starter level money. And then there's, but then there's been injuries to that unit. So, but that's kind of the point with Darnold, right? When things aren't perfect, he's just going to go haywire. Like if everything is on script, we can get really good Sam Darnold, but he can, like he can drive a well-oiled machine, but the cars in the NFL break all the time. Situations are almost never perfect. And I think that's the biggest problem. And, and it's kind of why until, like, and I don't even know if this universe exists because this offensive line is not going to get better through the course of the season. Because, again, it's all, like, veteran guys who kind of are who they are. And, you know, then we've got Christian McCaffrey. And, like, he's not going to be back for a while. And when he's back, like, I think, you know, you said this a couple of podcasts ago. Austin Eckler made the point, too, on Eckler's Edge about, like, hey, listen, I don't take that kind of workload you know, because like my body can't handle it. And like, we kind of have to have that conversation about Christian McCaffrey now. Like, I don't know if this is the the venue to do it. And like, obviously like a player you have, as a team, as an organization, cause I don't want to put this on Christian McCaffrey. I don't want to sound like I'm calling out Christian McCaffrey or anything like that. But at some point as a team and as an organization, you kind of got to save the player from himself. Like many, yeah. pl- most players are not going to, I mean, freaking Baker Mayfield's out there when like, you know, his shoulders about to with fall his arms flapping around. Yeah. 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 Like <laughs> these guys aren't going to just, you know, a- the team, like the Tennessee Titans are telling AJ Brown, like you're not playing on run plays. We don't need you to play hundred percent of the snaps. Cause it just doesn't need to happen that way. You're always hurt. The Panthers kind of think need to have that conversation with themselves about Christian McCaffrey after the, well, and that is years. up. That is up to Coach Rule, to Matt Rule, to do. I mean, this is like a coach that we keep who's coached in college, so he understands like coaching younger players, kids, if you will, has that ability. And we've seen like the college coaches able to more motivate, at least for a particular four year window, frankly, um, their their players. (laughs) And so I think they need the they need the. Who am I talking about? Um, (laughs) They need the buy in. And I think you know I'm reminded as you're saying that, and I agree. I'm reminded of what Bruce Arians said on the Thursday night broadcast about how he didn't want to be a father figure, but he wants to be the cool uncle Mm -hmm. that everybody wants to have a drink with. But even that cool uncle's like, yo, you should probably cool it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think you're right. A player, there's also this weird, and this is like another philosophical discussion, probably for a different kind of podcast, but 
there is this mentality, this hustle mentality, a hustle culture where like you have to give and give and give. And like there's pride and uh, valor associated with sacrifice, but like there's no actual reward for burnt hammies. You know, yeah. like if you mm-hmm. if you can't make it to the field, there's no glory and no one's going to build a statue because you sacrificed your body over an extra six carries, six touches per week. Average yeah. it out, you know, but yeah. I think that that's uh, there's a whole whole swath of people who probably don't agree with me. So believe sure. that there should be statues to all of that stuff. <laughs> Certainly. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of that, though, that's a good place to uh, veer off to because. I mentioned the hashtag Fire Zimmer trending on Twitter. And the other reason that that happened was because Dalvin Cook, coming off of an injury, had 31 touches. Yes, he got you, and I love you, 143 yards and a touchdown. But why, though? Why are you doing this to a player who's coming off of an injury, who was in and out a couple of weeks ago um, with the same same injury, potentially aggravating when you have an Alexander Madison? Like, is it great for fantasy owners? Sure, it sure is. But it is so unnecessary when you take in a broader view. Yeah, I wonder if Alexander Madison hadn't been banged up himself this week, if we're having a different conversation about Mm. Dalvin Cook's usage. But I, I don't know if that's really the right answer. Adam Thielen continued to own the red zone, converting 11 of 13 for 126 and a touchdown. Anything from the Minnesota side, KJ Osborne. (laughs) I will say like KJ Osborne scoring a touchdown and overtime was something we echoed earlier. Like I actually took Osborne out of a lineup of mine in a really, really deep league because I didn't think the game would be, I didn't expect uh, additional quarters of game. So, you know, but we do know that if, things get out of hand, then it is KJ Osborne that will see the volume and make him fantasy worthy. But frankly, the over under wasn't high enough on this one for me to take that gamble when Vegas and I were both wrong. Yeah, but I think that was a fair like process play on that one, too. I mean, because Adam Thielen gets 13 targets, Justin Jefferson gets 14 targets, like KJ Osborne gets home on seven. And so if you had if you take away the pace of play and the snaps and all that, they get added by overtime and everything. Yeah. I think he made the right call on that one, but he is clutch for the Vikings to have, you know, it definitely mm-hmm. like having that third receiver step up, um, you know, it ain't, you know, we ain't know it ain't going to be DD Westbrook. We like in that Amir Smith Marset character, um, it hasn't shown up yet either. So like KJ Osborne, it's been a clutch ad for the Vikings to have. I don't know that you can, I like, I don't know when is the game you're going to start KJ Osborne in fantasy. This was definitely not it, but um, he does improve the efficiency of the offense overall, including for Kirk Cousins, man. Like Kirk Cousins just continues to deliver as a, a QB one. I know he's not sexy because he's Kirk Cousins and he doesn't run. So, you know, we don't like talk about him that much for anymore in fantasy because like all we care about is rushing quarterbacks. It's like people don't want to count Tom Brady's um, like elite <laughs> season that he's having just because he's right. not running. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's I mean, it's, it's 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 there like it's there for Kirk Cousins. That's for sure. Well, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are on by next week along with six other teams. But the Panthers are actually traveling to New York to take on the Giants. So let's talk about this bloodbath uh, in which the Rams... Oh completely destroyed the Giants 38 to 11. Daniel Jones was real bad in this one. He threw the ball, Matt, 51 times and didn't manage a single passing score. Completed Only passed for, by the way, barely over 240 yards, completed 29 of 51, three interceptions, four sacks. The whole thing was ugly. Uh, Kadarius Toney, who we talked up ahead of last week, ahead of this week, um, who looked like a real, you talked about him beautifully on FFL as a, as a stock rise or player with a rising stock. What do you call them? Stock risers? Is that what the, the... Uh, I believe, uh, trending up. He was trending up. He was, uh, he was trending (laughs) up and, and for good reason, right? Even though we were a little bit worried about his usage with Sterling Shepard back, like, will Jason Garrett be creative enough? We thought, fine, the talent. Well, he re-aggravates his ankle injury, is out early, quickly ruled out. Sterling Shepard, I guess, if there's a silver lining, then goes back to being the target leader, uh, converts 10 of his 14 for 76 yards. It's not particularly sexy, but we know what Sterling Shepard is, and that's a PPR volume play. No Darius Slayton in this one. He was a late um, a late scratch, I suppose you could mm-hmm. say. He was out. I thought I thought he was going to play uh, heading into Me this too, morning. Yeah. I even thought we were all thinking he was going to play. Instead, it's boom, the return of Dante Pettis. 
And shield your eyes, Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> oh, it's so, but also the return of Dante Pettis and Kyle Shanahan saying, what? Oh, right. He converts five of 11 yeah, for 48. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I know. Well, listen, I, I've said a few times that like, you know, Dante Pettis is not good because like the Giants are in wide receiver injury hell. And it's like, it takes this point for them to get to like, they're down to the bare bones before they get to Dante Pettis. Sorry, Dante Pettis. I'm sure you're a nice fella and everything, but it is what it is. Look like the Kadarius Tony thing is a huge bummer. Cause I mean, right away, three targets, three catches. Um, he's out there. Like I, he's out there stealing ankles. You know, what's the phrase? Mm-hmm. Like, and then unfortunately he breaking got ankles. his own. Yeah. Breaking ankles. And then he got his own on that on One of them It was just a real, bummer because it's just that's like the worst kind of fantasy injury too like i mean they're all bad all injuries are bad but nothing's more tilting than when like this guy was clearly on his way to a pretty nice day and that happens it's just look i i really um i don't want to be too hard on the giants here but i'm gonna be anyways uh like you know i'm on i'm on the yahoo sportsbook show uh with minty like in the middle of the day and we're talking like during the halftime lines you know we're talking about the live odds for whatever it's like you know Rams minus 25 and a half. And I was like, oh, Minty, it could be minus 50. And like, give me, not seriously, but like, give me the Rams on that one. Like, there's no chance the Giants make this competitive because they're dealing with the skeleton crew on offense right now. I mean, look at these guys that are out there. Obviously, you'd like Daniel Jones to play better, but like, it's those literally Sterling Shepard and a bunch of backups. It's a tough scene out there for New York. And they're already not the, they're like the deepest wide receiver core in the NFL. You could argue, or at least one of them, like from a one to four perspective, they got some pretty good guys and, and they're already in this situation. That's how the injury uh, luck has just broken for them. But man, it just really goes to show you that when Matthew Stafford and the Rams offense is on, they can Ooh, just it's sexy. It's it is it is beautiful to watch. And, you know, if you want to spin it forward for the L.A. Rams, the sketch like, you know, you're talking about like trending up and stock watches and, and stuff like that. You know, normally in the old stock world, I've been told, you know, you don't know you want to buy. You want to try to buy low. You want to try to buy the dip, blah, blah, blah. That we, we try to do the same thing in fantasy. Right. Well, sometimes it makes sense to buy high because this is the upcoming schedule for the L.A. Rams. The Lions, the Texans, the Titans, the 49ers, the Packers, and the Jaguars over the next six games. That is a combination of winnable games and or beatable defenses. So, like, this version of the Rams offense, like the cooking on fire one, that's the one I think we're going to be seeing for the next two months. And that is pretty exciting for all of these players in fantasy. I mean, Joe Mixon on a not completely right ankle today went ham against Detroit he managed 94 yards on the ground, another 59 through the air, plus a touchdown. And yet now we have Daryl Henderson, who will face this same defense next week. The 21 carries are gorgeous. 78 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, game flow helped with the volume. But we love to see the discrepancy between Henderson and Michelle. Can you believe we were getting Sony Michelle questions still during yeah. FFL? I was like, you guys... He's had 10 days to rest. It's fine. Like, Daryl Henderson is the lead back in Los Angeles. You want to attach yourself to this offense with this running back. It is a gorgeous matchup for next week. And Cooper Cup, it was great to see Robert Woods have a big box score last week, a nice fantasy point output last week. But Cooper Cup is still the man. And by the way, in that matchup, like, everyone was talking about Robert Woods because he'd been so quiet. Cooper Cup also had himself a day. He had himself, yeah. yeah, he had himself another day. Like, 12 targets for Cooper Cup. The next highest targeted player was Tyler Higby at five. That's a massive discrepancy. Again, you love to see that because it adds, even if you're, even if you're a Robert Woods rosterer, by the way, you love to see that because at least it gives you some sort of, um, a, you're able to contextualize now, like you ha- you know what your ceiling could be, but now you also know that like you're not, it's not going to be an even number of opportunities for your guy and the other guy. No, I mean, I think that the, like, if you're doing rest of season rankings, Robert Woods is, I still think, even after coming off that big game last week. And look, he found the end zone today. So, like, if you started sure, in fantasy. But that's what you're hoping for. Yeah, exactly. It's, he's a, he's a, I would say, like, low end, um, slightly boom bust, but not like, I mean, he's not going to have most of these games where he, like, he gets, like, two catches for 30 yards or something, but, like, slightly boom bust wide receiver, too. But Cooper Cup is a top five receiver rest of season, like, and I don't think that's even close to arguable. So, like, it's, you know what it is, that's for sure. Uh, Cooper Cup is awesome. He's their best player on offense, and, like, he's, he's always open. Like, it's not a force feed situation either. It's just, 
Sean McVay has him in the perfect role. He continues to win in that in against zone coverage. He just demolishes and like Matthew Stafford's going to keep throwing it to him because it leads to this. And look, you want this offense to have like a high touchdown ceiling for all these other guys. And Cooper Cup continuing to be awesome and moving ball that way is going to be part of that awesomeness. Robert Woods, wide receiver, twenty-seven, like every time. Oh yeah, yeah. That's fair. That sounds about right. So on Thursdays, or I guess it's technically Friday, but we record on Thursdays, a pod preview pod with Dalton. I did make the point about why are the undefeated Cardinals um, the underdogs in this matchup against Cleveland? And then Dalton made some really salient points about wind and then the COVID stuff happened. And so we thought about the New Orleans team that lost when all of their coaches had the outbreak and maybe you know there was some recency bias here but uh it no it's not a deal kyler murray was absolutely fire and efficient in this one 20 of 30 for 229 and four touchdowns no interceptions you love to see it. He got, and here's the, like, yes, we'll talk about, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins finding the end zone twice and how good that felt. But for me, the best piece of uh, data that I could pull was A.J. Green returning to see his requisite six targets. Like, six targets every game, save last week. That kind of floor in this offense I am going to, especially when we're talking about six teams on by and injuries mounting, I am going to want to use that as a floor flex option regularly. Yeah, and you know, I, I totally agree with you, and I felt that way going into um, going into, again. Talked about this with Minty on the show as well. I said, like, give me the Cardinals and and the points here. I can't believe they're given points. I know Cleveland's a good team, but they're banged the f up. Like mm-hmm. they're out both of their starting tackles. And I know Chandler Jones was not going to play in this game. Like we always knew that, but still the Cardinals have other pass rushers. They have JJ Watt who batted (laughs) batted down a pass and like, you know, JJ Watt's not what he used to be, but he's still a good player. And, you know, he came pretty close to having like a huge couple sacks in this game as well. And, you know, Marcus uh, Golden is still a very good player too. So like they have other guys and Vance Joseph has those like guys cooking up front, even, you know, with or without Chandler Jones. And not only are the Browns out there two starting offensive tackles, their other their swing tackle, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name right now, but they signed it from uh, Pittsburgh a few years ago. Uh, he he's he's on IR. Like they're down bad on that offensive tackle spot. Nick Chubb obviously was going to miss this game, and then in the middle of the game, obviously then Baker gets uh, reaggravates an injury. Odell uh, had a shoulder situation, came out of the game, so uh, it was it was just not a good spot for for Cleveland. Hunt, it comes friend. Kareem Hunt. Oh, yeah, and, and Kareem Hunt got hurt at the at the end of the game. Kareem Hunt um, sounds like Kevin Stefanski thinks he did not pop an Achilles, which is good because I saw that was speculation, but it is a calf injury, and you know it did not look good. I've he given was up on it off. So. Yeah, it did not. It did not look good. Uh, so. And and it comes down to the quarterback advantage too. You know, a banged up Baker Mayfield playing behind a bad offensive line. Yeah, I'm going to give the edge to Kyler Murray literally every single time. Um, and w- he showed it today, you know, distributing the ball out everywhere too. you know, nobody has more than 80 yards on this team. Um, nobody had more than eight targets. Christian Kirk popped back up for a pretty big game, eight targets, touchdown, 75 yards. You know, Rondale Moore was kind of every- well, somebody's going to get left out in the cold of this of this group. And, you know, now obviously they're adding Zach Ertz to the mix, too. But, yeah, the Cardinals are legit. I, I-, I don't. I can't I really am surprised that they were uh the underdog in this spot just given the injury situation and everything else that was going on. I do like Zach Ertz next week versus Houston if we're looking ahead. That that yeah. seems to me a very tasty stream, even if he hasn't had like enough time with the team. But Oh, I mean you're uh, gonna be risking all of these players. Like yeah. you know, whether I know Rondo Moore didn't have the big game, but you're gonna probably wanna try to start this is the the problem, right? Like it's it's the same debate that we have like with Tom Brady and the Bucks, like right, like uh, Mike Evans didn't have the mm. a great game on Thursday night. Maybe instead, yeah. You bet, but you benching Mike Evans next week? No, no, because he could be the guy that has ninety yards and two touchdowns next week. You know, like that. It, it's like that, and this is a more spread out version of that. But like all these guys are playing really well. Kirk Green, Rondale, obviously DeAndre Hopkins. You know, even James Conner has seventy yards on the ground today. You know, Chase Edmonds does his thing. Obviously, then they're gonna have Zach Ertz, who could Mike Max Williams was playing pretty well. Like these guys are all attached to Kyler Murray, who's playing great football. Um, you just want, probably gonna want to play these guys against the Texans next week. If we want to talk about wow football, Dak had one hell of a showing against New England. This is another overtime game. I feel like we're getting a lot of this, which you know speaks to the quality of the product, I suppose. 
in overtime, Dak Prescott, this game was much closer than I anticipated. I frankly thought this was going to be a bit of a snooze fest. I, I was mm. completely wrong. It was a very, I think actually one of our other pod producers, Brett Rader, tweeted, this game just had four cups of coffee. And I was like, that is the perfect sentiment to attach to this outing. Dak, uh, convert, uh, Dak completes 36 of 51 for 445 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, but again, zero sacks. And it is C.D. Lamb who goes off. And what we're talking about, we were, we've were we been talking about Dallas returning to a more balanced or run-focused offense when they don't need to be airing it out because the defense has been able to support the run game in a better way than we had seen last year. But then when things get close, things get loose. And it was nice to see C.D. Lamb. Like, this is why the everyone who drafted yeah. him in the top 12 to 15, this is why you do it for these moments when – you want him to hit his ceiling, and he can, and he goes ham for almost 150 yards and finds the end zone twice. The game winner, by the way. Yeah, uh, the beautiful like game winner, too, where he like beats the coverage, uh, slows down, struts into the end zone, takes the shove from, I think it was Jalen Mills on the Patriots, yeah. and just pop back up and just wave at him. Let them taunt. I, I don't want to, I hate everybody making everything into a culture war, but I will make the taunting rule into a culture war every single time, even when I don't have to. Like, we just let them taunt, guys. Come on, give me a break. Um, you know, CeeDee Lamb was great in this game, and you're right. Perfect analysis there. You know, we have not seen Dak Prescott have to throw for 400 yards very often this year since the opener, you know, 50 plus times. But this was the type of seal. Like, we're not going to get this ceiling on a week to week basis like we might have thought during draft season. But these outcomes do still exist for this team. Again, they're another team that's really so spread out as well. I mean, Noah Brown even popped up for some big catches in this one. Um, Cedric Wilson, obviously, all he also made some big catches. And, you know, they still have Michael Gallup coming back. Blake Jarwin gets into the end zone. Dalton Schultz continues to do his thing with 79 yards, just kind of rock steady production what? every single week. Uh, it's, and, it's, it's so wild to me that he has like, Every week he's, you know, when you do like tight end projections, you're like, all right, it's going to be yeah. four to six catches Love for like 50, 50, 40, 45 to 55 yards, right? If they find, it's basically, are they going to score? And like Dalton Schultz every week is like, nope, forget your 55. I'll take yeah. the over on that every single week. Give me, give me the 70. Give me 70 for Dalton yeah. Schultz, right? Like, I mean, it is true, but, and, and Tony Pollard, 41 yards on the ground today. This team is just so layered. And I will ask you this though, Liz. Is there any is there any team that like you got to look at the head coach and be like what is it that you do here my guy like Mike McCarthy just blowing game management situations like he's an offensive guy and he doesn't even call the plays but like consistently putting them in a bad spot in the fourth quarter and overtime like mismanaging clocks like what Liz what does Mike McCarthy do for the Dallas Cowboys I mean friend he is quoting austin powers movies and thinking he's relevant like that I, he lost me at mojo i was like do people say mojo i, I don't i don't think that i don't think we say mojo anymore i don't think we say mojo anymore no i think when austin powers like made a parody of it you can't really come back from the whole <laughs> mojo thing it's not it's not a thing anymore yeah i mean so i don't know the mike mccarthy thing is 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 mega tilting for just like sanity reasons but look the cowboys are great they're a really good team and and they hung they hung well in this one because you know the patriots kind of gave him a pretty good fight i think mac jones played a pretty decent game was yeah. pretty accurate um did throw one interception to trayvon Diggs. trayvon Diggs was like the main was responsible for 14 well not i mean you could kind of pick nits on whether he was responsible really for that touchdown because i think the safety kz did blow the did blow the play too but like he was the main character for a good like 35 seconds in that game and it did it was like great and not so great i mean he was uh, the hero Trayvon and the villain Diggs. in everybody's story yeah. at the same time what a what a what a character arc for <laughs> for Trayvon Diggs. Hey, Trayvon Diggs, by the way, has as we're recording this, has more touchdowns than his brother Stefan Diggs this season. So if um if that doesn't sting you, I don't know. It will. I believe in you, Tra believe in yourself, Trayvon. Um, let's talk about the Patriots for a second because I would I would like to um I really do I've said this and I am fascinated by the backfield and mostly because you talked about culture war and not really needing to engage, but it tilting you or triggering you enough that you're like, nah, this bothers me. I Only on the taunting rule, nothing else. I am forever aggravated by like, well, you can't trust a Patriots running back. No. And I'm like, you know what? Like, this, hmm, I just, this is not the same thing. It is the same thing. It is wildly frustrating. But <laughs> I have such satisfaction every week with like trying to take a magnifying glass to it. And I was both right and wrong, which you can be in fantasy. 
I was yeah. wrong that Damian Harris would take a back seat to Ramondre Stevenson, but I was right that they would give Stevenson a shot at the goal line, even though Harris did score first. I, and some of it's just logic. Like, you can't let the influence of the Patriots' backfield narrative cloud everything. Sometimes you have to dig for opportunities. Maybe you're wrong, maybe you're right, but, like, you can't just not excavate if there is potential treasure to be found. And Stevenson is a goal line back. Harris has had a fumbling issue. He's also got a bruised chest and rib situation. Mm -hmm. So why not protect him from the volatile part of the field and put your rookie out there? Now, obviously, the volume between the two is different, but I love to see Stevenson involved in the passing game and efficient. He converted all three of his looks for almost 40 yards, and he found the end zone, 23 rushing yards, and a score as well. So there is a trend that I would be encouraging fantasy managers to track and at least stash him because – I don't know oh, if you've yeah. checked the running back positions a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit volatile, as we like to say. Uh, yeah, right. Like you had to start Khalil Herbert, Daryl Williams, and like Chuba Hubbard. And you got away with it this week. Uh, you, you know, Ramondre not Booker Steven- though. Not Devonta Booker. Not De- that didn't not work De- out Devonta for you. Booker. No, that did not work out for you. Hey, you can't. Not everything can happen, right? Not everybody can come away happy when you're playing the running back waiver wire roulette or whatever. So, yeah, Damien Harris. I'm still really impressed with the guy. I think he's he's a pretty good back. Like I liked him coming out yeah. of college. You know, haven't been a decent amount of teams, but it was surprising that they just. This is the part that's tilting about the um the Patriots backfield is that people like try to play the guessing game and like play the oh boy fumbles it might be time but like I guess we just really don't know. But I totally agree with you about Ramadre Stevenson. Like he should be rostered in every single league. He sh- you just put him at the end of your bench and like and, and you can honestly next week I think you might be able to play both of these guys. I want to go back and look at like the routes run data and everything like that and exactly what situations he was involved in the passing game. But still, for him to get three targets and for Brandon Bolden to only get one target, I think is pretty juicy for Stevenson and next week these guys play the Jets so like we would expect him to be in positive game script if this is anything like a split between Harris and Stevenson we got to feel pretty good about them going into that type of game so Matt you would say then that Stevenson is trending up yeah he would be trending up yes Wonderful. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I'm so sorry. We should, we're going to end the show kind of, or at least we're going to end the matchups preview or recap on this note. Um, he scored. <laughs> he but was he in the end zone. But but not and then he scored a two-point conversion, which is uh, not yeah. a touchdown either. I forget. <laughs> I read it. No, I forgot the one was called back. I mean, yeah. Listen, uh, you know, I said the whole thing about the culture wars and like participation trophies were a culture war. It felt like for a while. I don't want to I don't want to get on a participation trophy thing. But like, hey, let's give a participation trophy for like give a per- Jacoby Myers a participation trophy touchdown. For God's sakes. Like, how has this not happened yet? Like, don't call that holding. Don't don't call that touchdown back. It's un- it's unbelievable. Like at some point, I guess he's just going to go like if we truly believe in like regression. I know this is not how it works. I'm being facetious, but like eh, regression, and all this stuff. He he should get, go like on a 10, 15 game, like just touchdown streak. Like, you know, but I know that's not really how it's going to work. It's unbelievable. Let's get to some fantasy performances of note. That was one, even if it wasn't a positive one. So let's talk about some other ones. James Robinson, we talked about an FFL in London, 20 touches, 101 yards, a touchdown. He is talented. Carlos Hyde wasn't part of this mix. Trevor Lawrence is is looking better. They're obviously on by coming back from London. Um, the Urban Cam will not be tilting or triggering any of us next week. And, you know, we get a week off, but at least we know that James Robinson also uh, can be hopefully put into bubble wrap because he is so much better than anyone is giving him credit, including his head coach. But maybe, maybe he's head- catching on now. Yeah, including his head coach. Although... You know, it's weird because, right, like James Robinson is a great running back. They draft Travis Etienne and then they kind of find like this Jamal Agnew guy to kind of do what they would have done with Travis Etienne, which is like urban. Yeah, man, you don't have to draft like just because you have one specific role you really want to fill. You don't have to draft that in the first round. You can find some rando former Detroit Lions guy to bring the speed because I get I kind of get what they're. They're after if I'm being generous to Urban Meyer, which who wants to do that? Um, They clearly need speed, right? That's why they've got the whole Jamal Agnew thing going. That's kind of why they messed around with Tavon Austin for a little bit. That was the whole kind of thesis of the Travis Etienne thing, because, you know, Jones is a great receiver, but he doesn't necessarily bring like speed to the table. LaVisca Chenault certainly has 
some after the catch juice, but he's not a speed threat either. So I kind of get what they're trying to get after there, but you know, it's, it's a little bit of a miss, but yeah, James Robinson is a stud. Like he's in, he's an RB two, uh, maybe even trending closer to the RB one conversation with the way the landscape looks. In that same game, Tua Tungavailoa came back from the rib injury that had him out for a handful of weeks. Uh, he looked he looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, passed for, I believe, 329 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, but he did all of that without Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, or Will Fuller in the lineup. And instead, it was Mike Gusecki and Jalen Waddell who led their pass catchers in production and looks. Gasecki had eight for 115, Waddle 10 for 70 and two touchdowns. I dig this. Like, I, I, you're yeah. shaking your head. You don't like it? I mean, like... Oh, it's just the Jalen Waddle thing. Like, I just oh, really well, want to... Yeah. 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 It's I mean, like how him, him, they've turned Jalen Waddle into Jarvis Landry. Like, yeah, that's yeah. frustrating. But yeah. I will live with the way he is being used because the volume is so generous. Yeah. For the whole offense, too... You know, Jacoby Brissett is a fine backup quarterback, but for him to be in this situation, because, like, let's be clear, this is not a good situation for the Dolphins right now. Like, they're obviously going through injuries. Well, they lost that game. <laughs> yeah. They, right, oh, by the way, they lost this game. It was a good debut for Tua because at least he was pushing it a little bit. And, like, man, if you're if you're getting replaced by Tua and we're like, oh, yeah, the offense is a little more vertically inclined, that's not a good look for you, uh, for Jacoby Brissett. But that's just the, the guy Jacoby Brissett's been. He's a backup quarterback. And, you know, they lost this game. Gave Urban Meyer and the Jaguars their first win. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Gasecki has great usage. Um, he's being basically used as like a big slot receiver. Awesome there. And Jalen Waddell, you know, he's coming off kind of a frustrating game last week. But I think with Tua back there, you you can kind of count on him yeah. as uh, a wide receiver three, I think, because the A dot is short. We know at some point he's going to bust a big play. He's just too fast, and he's got too much juice on his own. But the the volume is there overall, like 13 targets in this one. Um, I definitely trust Jalen Waddle going forward. And for the record, I mean, Tua did not take a single sack. Granted, it was against the Jacksonville Jaguars in London, so we're not going to say much. But next week, yeah. he, well, first of all, it's weird that he has a next week, like coming off of a London game. Andy I know. What, that point what's on the deal with that? But it was almost like the schedule makers were like, yeah, that's not nice, but we're going to give him Atlanta. So <laughs> it's it's kind of like a buy because Atlanta has um, – they're in the top five in terms of most fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. And I believe they've only registered nine sacks on the season. Jacksonville had eight, and they've only recorded one interception so far. So another friendly matchup for Tua who is – rostered in I believe under 20% of Yahoo fantasy yeah. leagues and next week remember you're not getting Justin Herbert you're not getting Dak Prescott you're not getting Josh Allen they're all on by so just a little wink I'm sure Andy and Scott will talk more about that situation on tomorrow's pod but if you didn't catch it we'll get there a little bit first all right let's let's talk about this uh Green Bay Bears game I will say as a Bears fan like I love Aaron Rodgers doing the discount double check in the end zone and telling the fans in yeah, Soldier Field that he owns them I don't mind it. I think it's right. I was like, he does. I, I pre- We're going to talk about self-awareness on this podcast regularly. And I was like, he is yeah. self-aware. You're allowed to be confident when you're right. He was right. He does own him. But for fantasy managers who happen to be Bears fans, Khalil Herbert and the leap of faith that we took on him worked out. 21 touches. The volume did go his way. For He went over 100 yards and a touchdown. Um I don't know if that's going to happen next week when Williams is off the COVID list, assumedly, but for one week, it was a a nice dice roll. Yeah, I guess Roger said he only did that because some old lady was giving him the two birds uh, in the the stands. Yeah, right. Well, Well, he gave it right back, so uh, that's good good for Aaron Rodgers. No, but yeah, Khalil Herbert was definitely in a good spot here. It does, if you blew a bunch of free agent money on Damian Williams. If you already weren't nervous after Herbert's 18 carries against the Raiders last week, you're definitely nervous that you made a big mistake. And I say that as somebody who did it. We talked about Joe Mixon earlier. He had the uh, 23 touches for 153 and a touchdown. No Samaji P Ryan also on the COVID list. Um, And in a friendly matchup against Detroit, I think we can move on and talk about Jonathan Taylor, another, I think he was the number one running back in fantasy, 15 touches for 158 and two touchdowns. We love the game flow. Like, also, I really love seeing what Carson Wentz is doing. I talked him up in Mm -hmm. FFL, and it's not that he's going to give you big ceilings, but 
No. I the stat that what, heading into this week stood out the most to me about Wentz was his deep ball completion percentage and the fact that like he was playing relatively clean, especially given the last time we saw Carson Wentz play in a different uniform, finding Paris Campbell and that sort of stretch that he is offering the offense is obviously helping yeah. Jonathan Taylor to be more efficient. Yeah, no, I was going to make the point about Carson Wentz as well because uh, he's averaged over 11 yards per attempt in back-to-back games. Obviously, the one against the Ravens is boosted up a little bit because of Jonathan Taylor's like big catch and run on a screen. But this game against the Texans, he absolutely earned it. 50-yard touchdown to Paris Campbell, another 50-yarder to uh, T.Y. Hilton. Moali Cox, the pride of VCU, uh, also got a 28-yard touchdown reception. Michael Pittman averaged 17.5 yards per catch, and then Jonathan Taylor definitely, obviously, we know he's explosive, rips off an 83-yard touchdown run. Like, Colts are kind of looking good. Like, they've got some ancillary players stepping up. You know, uh, the Texans and the Jaguars are not going to contend for the AFC South. We um, Obviously, the, the Titans are going to play a pretty tough matchup on Monday night. Like, the Colts are going to be in the AFC South, that's for sure. And, you know, I think that's good news for all of these players here because, like, I think Michael Pittman, even though he didn't have a massive game in this one, it's you're going to probably end up starting him every single week just because the volume is mostly there. But for Wentz to be looking good and explosive and all these ancillary players kind of stepping up and like, I mean, maybe just the farther we get from an off season and a summer worth of injuries and stuff for old uh, Carson Wentz, it's not surprising. He's looking a little bit better. He's looking healthier and things are working in that same matchup. Brandon cooks had himself a day again. Uh, The volume went his way. He converted nine of 13 for 89 I think Brandon Cooks is going to be one of you're going to I I every week I said this on FFL too like I debate between Michael Pittman and Brandon Cooks as my flex every single yeah. week That's and right. I I can't sometimes I don't go all in on both of them like one league I'll put a uh, Cooks in and the other one Pittman because I'll split the difference That's smart um but it's calling I'm diversifying my portfolio Matt um, Some people call it hedging, but what's the, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> In any case, I think you need to look like Mills has been. I appreciate that Mills has not been giving up. Like, there's fight yeah. here. The, the Texan squad aren't re- ready to just like be thinking about their golf plans for j- January yet, you know? So, Cooks is going to have his days. If you play the matchups, he's going to be a flex consideration because of volume every week. Daryl Williams. On FFL, we had the debate between Devontae Booker and Daryl Williams. You and I were both Team Williams, largely because they were attached. He was attached to a a better quarterback and a better offense and just had more touchdown equity baked in to his skill set. And, you know, 24 touches for 99 and two touchdowns, that worked out pretty well in relief of CEH, who's going to be out for a minute. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Daryl Williams is a guy you're starting until CEH gets back. And, I mean, it's just impressive for the Chiefs that – they play a pretty terrible game against the Washington football team and still win by 20 points. Like that's, that can happen. I, we're going to talk about the Washington football team. Now you're wearing your Heineke t-shirt. I know that I've talked him up. I, I really like him. And um, for better or for worse, it's JD McKissick, who is the target leader manages 110 yards. But I also think a lot of that had to do with Terry McLaurin's health. Yeah. Terry McLaurin's health and Antonio Gibson's health. Like um, guys Great playing point. through like a, a fractured shin and what do you know he aggravates in the middle of the game like Antonio Gibson looks like a guy they need to just give a few weeks honestly um but you know I don't I don't know what to say there also this was a if you needed and I said to this to a few people like over the course of the week that if you needed a desperation play at running back and JD McKissick was available in your league or on your bench like this was a good spot to use him because this was the type of game script for him regardless of what was going on with the other guys in the offense I am also wondering if Andy and Scott are going to talk about Jarrett Patterson. Yeah, I think. Would be behind Antonio Gibson. He's rostered in just 1% of leagues. Like, I'm thinking you're going to want to look ahead and stash him. And Washington is at Green Bay next week. So I would preemptively try to do something there. Um, Do we want to talk about the Raiders or um, Denver? Mm. This game really got away from Denver and especially given the travel and the week that the Raiders had. Ruggs manages to find the end zone. Um, Edwards has a 51 yard catch. Noah Fant finds the end zone in garbage time. I would like to Javante Williams looks better and better every single week. Melvin Gordon has a hip injury and yet he continues to like get an equal amount of touches to Williams um, and game flow prevented either one of them from doing anything spectacular. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch this game as closely as the others because there were just there were a couple better games on. So, sue me. Well, then <laughs> no one is going to sue you, especially after you uh, give us all of these winning Monday Night Football DFS plays. Well, listen, yeah, we've got the old uh, Buffalo Bills going to Tennessee. And, you know, you'll remember that they played around this time last year and limited. I said limited in a weird way, right? Like because they Derrick Henry had 19 carries in a winning effort. Didn't have a lot of yards, but did score two touchdowns. I think there's a pretty good shot that they can. The Bills are a better defense this time, a much, much better. Like they were at that point, one of the most exploitable run defenses in the entire NFL. You know, Josh Norman is still a meme because of that game. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really like the Bills' chances to kind of control this script. I think it's a huge bounce back spot for Stefan Diggs. Um, obviously, I think Josh Allen is your play in the superstar spot in Yahoo single um, game daily fantasy because we just expect this to be, you know. This expected to be a game where the passing game rules here for uh for Buffalo. Bad bad defense in Tennessee, and you know Stefan Diggs like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with his red zone involvement. There's nothing wrong with his target involvement. It just hasn't quite clicked yet. Like and it didn't really need to click last week because the quarterback averaged damn twenty yards per completion. <laughs> like that's not going to happen this time around. So and I do think like we should probably talk about the AJ Brown thing because I guess he popped up questionable with an illness. I mean, my God, it's like one thing after another with the whole AJ Brown situation this year. At this point, you've probably already made that lineup decision for yourself. But I think if AJ Brown does play, I do think it's a it's a risky but still relatively decent bounce back spot because he's just had such bad luck on deep ball targets this year and we know that's not really a weakness in his game that is all solid analysis the only thing I will add just to contextualize how good Buffalo's defense has been number one in run DVOA defensive run DVOA and defensive pass DVOA number one in both so of course number one in total defensive DVOA by like a lot too by by yeah. a lot they're 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 leading uh in like epa per play uh dvoal that's like by a lot so um yeah it's it's a pretty tough spot if you're looking if you want one desperation play in single game daily fantasy and this is like it's a tough game right because the these are two pretty good offenses with high especially tennessee is like highly concentrated but if you expect the bills to control this game JD, uh, Jeremy McNichols, almost a JD McKissick because it's like basically the same equation. Jeremy <laughs> McNichols has been involved as a pass catcher, is only 10 bucks, had like a, a pretty big game where he popped up against the Jets as a pass catcher. They have been using him in terms of having him run routes and playing passing plays and stuff. If the Titans get crushed here, if that's how you project this game to go and you need some savings, Jeremy McNichols, uh, 10 bucks. Oh, I love it. That's a nice, spicy take to end on. So I'm going to call it. That's going to do it for us. But Let's keep this conversation going on Twitter. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Matt at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're at it, make sure that you're following at Yahoo Fantasy for a different angle on Sunday's games. You can listen to Charles Robinson and Frank Schwab in the most recent episode of You Pod to Win the Game. I honestly make it part of my Monday routine every week. I cannot speak more highly of both of the individuals involved in the podcast and its quality. So go subscribe to that right now. Scott and Andy, we've talked about it a bunch. They're going to be hosting this podcast tomorrow with many, many brilliant pickup recommendations. Until then, we're out and enjoy the rest of week six. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.